In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. We who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad believe in Moses and the Torah. We believe in Jesus and the Gospel. And we believe in Muhammad and the Holy Quran. We believe in all of the scriptures brought by the prophets of God. And we are attempting to carry those scriptures into practice. It is a great honor and privilege for me to be here at Christ Universal Temple. It is a great honor to be in the house built by such a magnificent sister of ours and her followers, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. On behalf of the Nation of Islam and its membership, we extend our gratitude to Sister Dr. Reverend Johnny Coleman, members of her staff who have made our stay here most enjoyable, and all of the members of her family and church. Thank you from the depth of our hearts. Those uh, who are watching this by satellite uh, on the East Coast in Boston, Massachusetts, in Washington, D.C., in Atlanta, Georgia, on the West Coast uh, in Los Angeles, and those who have satellite dishes all the way around the Earth who are picking up uh, this signal, we are very grateful to Allah to come into your homes and to see all of you who are seeing us. This is a very special day and I want to get right to our work. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad for 44 years taught us that God is not a mystery, he's not a spirit, he's not a spook. God is real. He's a real, live, human being. Differing from you and me only in that he is supreme in knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and power. This is what he taught us. Of course, this upset the Muslim world and it upset many of our Christian brothers and sisters that a black man born in America, born in Georgia, who only went to the fourth grade of school, said that he met with God and God taught him night and day for three and one half years, then went away and left him here with a mission to raise the black man and woman of America up from the grave of mental death 
and ignorance. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad was laughed at. He was mocked and scorned and ridiculed. But white people did not laugh at him. They knew better. When war broke out in 1941, by executive order, the President of the United States had the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taken off of the streets because they did not want a black man teaching black men and women the proper use of themselves. For they wanted to use our bodies to prosecute a war that was not in our interest, even as President Bush is using the bodies of black boys and girls to prosecute a war that is not in our best interest. Elijah Muhammad made many ministers and sent them into the cities of America. And he produced the most disciplined, organized, and progressive group of black people ever to be seen in the Western Hemisphere, yet he only had a fourth grade education. He taught Malcolm X who had an eighth grade education. And Malcolm confounded the scholars of the world with an eighth grade education, but taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay, just going to be another great fighter until he met with and was taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Then he burst onto the scene, one of the greatest fighters that ever lived, but he was a different kind of fighter. He was a fighter with a message in his mind, a message in his heart. He was a fighter that stood for a principle. He fought the government of the United States against the war in Vietnam, and he prevailed. Even though he was stripped of his title, nevertheless, he came back to win the championship too or three times more. I think it was twice more. My point is, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had to know something and had to know somebody to say what he said and do what he did and live in America when black men who thought so much less than him lost their lives for just thinking as he was bold enough to speak. Louis Farrakhan now is known pretty much throughout the earth and honored and respected in many circles of our people. But I was just a common musician. I never graduated from college. I only went to the third year in college. But Elijah Muhammad took me from there and taught me. He's not an ordinary man. He's an extraordinary man. How do you know? Wisdom is known of its children. If you are wise, you don't produce a fool. I am the child of my father, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I know no other father but him. 
My biological father died when I was quite young and even before he died, I never knew him. When I met the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I met my father. He fathered me into knowledge, into wisdom, into understanding. He brought out of me what the Creator had put in me for the service of my people. So if I am anything of value today, it's because I had a good father, a good example, a good teacher. And so I stand before the world today to challenge the scholarship of the world on the most important of all subjects, who is God? Who is God? We all talk about him, certainly we love him, we bear witness that he is the greatest. We live in his universe, there is nothing to compare with it, so certainly there is nothing to compare with him, but who is he? We want to know our Creator. We want to know God. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad on the back page of our newspaper, then the Muhammad speaks, now the final call, in point number 12. He said, and I quote, We believe that Allah came to us in the person of Master W. Farad Muhammad, the long-awaited Messiah of the Christians and Mahdi of the Muslims. And lastly, we believe that there is no God but Allah and that he will set up a government of peace wherein we all can live in peace and brotherhood. Many of the scholars of Islam have said to me, Brother Farrakhan, why don't you take that off of the back page? Many of my Muslim brothers and sisters who love Allah and love Prophet Muhammad and love the Quran said, this is un-Islamic. Take it away from the page. Allah never has appeared in the form of any man. Allah is not a man, but they can't tell us what he is. I want you to listen to me. I intend to talk to all of you, the scholars of the world of religion, Jews and Christians and Muslims, and whatever your religious persuasion may be, we've got to know today who is God that we may not make a mistake and serve other than him. The Bible teaches us that he made man in his own image and in his own likeness, but he's not a man. The Bible teaches us of Allah or God that he grieves, he sorrows, he sees, he hears. The wickedness of the wicked stinks in his nostrils that he loves, that he hates, that he walked with Enoch, or Enoch walked with him. 
The Bible teaches that he met Abraham in the plains of Mamre. Three men came to Abraham and one of them, the Bible says, was the Lord. But he's not a man. Sarah came out of her tent and said, Lord, if I have found favor, pass not away. And Sarah comes out and says, Lord, if you are hungry, I will feed you. But how can you feed a spirit? She said, sit down, Lord, if you are tired. How can you sit down if you have nothing to sit down on? You say, yes, Brother Farrakhan, but that is the Bible. I'm not finished with the Bible yet. The Bible said Moses walked with him and spoke with him face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. Hmm? All throughout the scriptures of the Bible, we're not dealing with some spook or formless spirit. We're dealing with a man. Well, what about the Holy Quran? The Holy Quran is not dealing with a man. No. Huh? But the Quran uses the personal pronoun I. I belongs to who? Talk back to me. The Holy Quran uses the soft pronoun we. Does God have associates? Does he have partners? Why say we? If God himself revealed the book, he knows best the language. Why did he use the language of a human being? These attributes of the Quran are not the attributes of a spirit. He's beneficent. He's merciful. He's powerful. He's the life giver, the sustainer, the securer, the destroyer. Spirits don't do that. Men in whom the spirit dwells do that. Who is God? I shall never take that point from the back page of the paper. Regardless to how many scholars don't like it, I visited Mecca and I sat with the scholar and this was the main point that we wrangled over and when we finished the scholars shut their mouths they had never heard an exposition like that this is true so I figured that what I gave to them I should give to you since they in Mecca could not defeat the argument. And every argument they gave me, I gave them back their argument with more detail in it. Yet I'm born in America. Never have been taught in any Islamic school by any scholars or scientists. I was taught by the unlearned one, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but he don't make no fools. Take that away. I don't want to get too excited. But this is an exciting subject. Who is God? 
who is God. If we look at the way the Honorable Elijah Muhammad wrote that point, it was point number 12 of what the Muslims believe. I asked myself, why did he call it point number 12? Why didn't he make it point number 11, point number 9, point number 10? Why point number 12? Why did he have the word Messiah in quotes and bold? And why did he have the word Mahdi in quotes and bold? What is Messiah? Who is Messiah? What is the meaning of Mahdi? And who is Mahdi? Why did he use these two words, put them in quotes? These words are well known to Christians and Jews, and the word Mahdi is well known to Muslims. Why did he use those words? When you put quotation marks around a word, you sometimes do that to draw particular attention to that word. And if you italicize it or make it bold, you want it to stand out because you're trying to suggest something subtly to your reader. Well, sometimes we are not wise enough to pick up on subtleties. But there are those among us who can pick up on subtleties. They would ask the question, why the quotation mark? Why in bold words? He's trying to tell the world something about Messiah, something about Mahdi. The world is looking for the return of Jesus Christ. The Jews are looking for the Messiah. And the Muslim world awaits the appearance of Mahdi. But all of these worlds of religion are not looking for a spirit or a spook. They are all looking for a man. Am I lying? If the Messiah comes, are you looking for a spirit to pop out of a closet somewhere? You're looking for a man. If Jesus Christ returns, who are you looking for? You're not looking for a spirit. You're looking for the return of a man in flesh and in blood. Is that right? And the Muslims who are looking for the Mahdi, you're not looking for a spirit. You're looking for the coming of a man. What kind of man is he? He's an extraordinary man. But he's a man right on. But he's extraordinary. Why should Mahdi and Messiah come in the form of a man? Because man and woman have been degraded. Man and woman are not man and woman today. Man and woman have become beast in human form. Man and woman have degenerated. This is fallen woman and fallen man. You don't know resurrected man. You don't know elevated man. You don't know man made in the likeness of God. You don't know original man. So therefore, you would have to get acquainted with yourself by God sending one to you in your own form, but mighty in power, mighty in wisdom, not only carrying light, but is the light then you can get an idea of who you are if you could only recognize who he is let's go on I'm going to try and calm myself down a little bit 
Where's that Bible that was up here? Oh, yes. Thank you. Don't hide the Bible. Yes, it's a Bible. This book, Bible, in the book of Revelations, it says, when the seventh angel sounds, the mystery of God will be finished. Mystery means that which is unknown. Well, wait just a moment. Do you mean to say that God who created all of this wonder is a mystery? That an angel will have to sound and when that angel speaks, the mystery of God will be finished? Why does the Bible say God will come? Where has he been? Why does the Quran speak of the days of Allah? Where has Allah been for all those other days? I thought every day was his. Why would you make a specific and particular reference to the days of God? I think we have to look at this. But before I go any further, I want to say something to the Muslims. Beloved Muslims, in the Quran, in Surah or chapter 3, called the family of Amran, in verse uh, 6, Allah reveals to us the rules of interpretation of his book. Every person who has some degree of love for God and scholarship would want to read the Bible or read the Quran and try to interpret such magnificent books. So God doesn't want you to be one to mislead yourself and mislead the people. So he gives rules for interpretation of his word. Listen to this. He says, He it is who has revealed the book to thee. Speaking of Muhammad the prophet Ibn Abdullah 1400 years ago. Some of its verses are decisive. And some of the verses are allegorical. Then those in whose hearts is perversity, Follow the part which is allegorical, seeking to mislead and seeking to give it their own interpretation. Stop. God does not want us to give his word our own interpretation. I want you to listen because we who study the word of God have to restrain ourselves from trying to give his word our own interpretation. Why? It takes more than just going to theology school to interpret the word of God. 
interpret God's word, you have to get up into his own mind and you can't get there except by his permission. Everybody all right? If there are musicians in the house, you can't play Beethoven well if you don't study Beethoven. Before you try to play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, it is wise that you study the man who wrote it. When you study the man who wrote it, then you study the condition that he was in when he wrote it. Then when you become one with his mind, one with his spirit, then every nuance in it, you can feel it, then you can make a Beethoven live, even though Beethoven is dead. You cannot interpret the wisdom of God unless and until God brings you into oneness with him. That you begin to know him in a hint and know him in a sign. Then you can interpret his word. But how many of us are like that? Of course, the vain among us will say, I am. And the foolish among us will say, me too. <laughs> but fools rush in where wise men fear to tread. And interpreting the word of God is a fool's paradise but a wise man will step back from that because it's dangerous to play with God or to play with his word and to deceive and mislead people in the name of God that's a dangerous thing to do now after Allah gives us rules for interpretation. Listen to what he says. And none knows its interpretation save Allah. I'm going to say that again. And none know its interpretation but God. He's the only one who knows the hidden meaning of his own word. So the, the scholars say, those firmly in rooted, rooted in knowledge, they say we believe in it. It is all from our Lord and none mind except men of understanding. When I was in Mecca, the scholars said to me, Brother Farrakhan, this was their closing statement to me. They said, Brother Farrakhan, when you are sick, you go to a doctor. You do not tell the doctor. You ask the doctor to tell you what is wrong. And when you are not knowledgeable, you come to the scholars. And you ask the scholars that they may teach you. I said, and who are the scholars? I said, the doctors don't live any longer than their patients. I can't trust the doctor's advice.
I said, and to me, it is the scholars of religion who have messed up the world of religion. I said, it seems to me from my understanding of the book, and you must bear with me because I'm just a child in this. And I was not being facetious. I am a child in this. But I'm not a foolish child in this. I said, from my understanding of this book, Satan said to Allah, because you have caused me to remain disappointed, I'm going to come after them, meaning your people, in your straight path. And I will come after them from before them, from behind them, from their left side and from their right side. And you won't find most of them thankful. I will make all of them deviate. This is Satan. I'm going to make all of them deviate. And Allah said to Satan, whosoever follows you, I will certainly fill hell with you all. Then in another place in the Quran, Allah says, you will get all except my purified ones. Now, I know we all think we're the purified ones. We would not like to believe that Satan got us in his hip pocket right now. With our crosses around our necks. And our Bibles in our hands and our crescent and star on our shoulder, and a bow tie on, a long white robe. We wouldn't like to believe that Satan got us. He said, I'll get all except my purified ones. I said to the scholars, I said, look, I said, every time a prophet of God came, when that prophet left, Satan came and divided the prophet's community. I said, is the Muslim community divided? Are you at odds with yourself? Why then should I follow you? I'm asking questions now. Show me the proof of your scholarship. Well, that's the way that was left. I didn't go to Mecca to follow them. I did not go there looking for an agenda. I had one when I left. I had one when I came back. God does not want us following anybody today but him. He does not want us worshiping anyone today but him. God and God alone has come to be our leader, our teacher, and our guide. And only those who submit their will entirely to do the will of God and bow down and humble themselves and don't try to make themselves more than what they really are that people may worship them instead of God. Only those will be successful teachers of the people today. God is setting down all false leaders. 
hurling them down, not setting them, throwing them down. Everybody that you want to worship as a God beside him, he'll destroy them for you to show you that none today is worthy to be worshipped but God. But we come back to the question, who is it? Let's get after that number 12. He put it in point number 12. I asked why point number 12? It's a very significant number. We have 12 signs in the universe, is that right? <clears throat> we have 12 inches on a ruler. And the ruler enables us to draw a straight line. We want to go straight today. We've been crooked so long. But you can't go straight unless you have a ruler that will give you a straight rule to follow. <laughs> so the Honorable Elijah Muhammad made it point number 12 because it is introducing the new ruler. The white man today is not going to be a permanent ruler. He will be set down by God, Bush and company. Major and company. All of the rulers of the world are to be set down. Isn't that what your Bible teaches? So why put your trust in Bush? <laughs> Don't put your trust in Saddam. Don't put your trust in King Fahd. Don't put your trust in Deng Xiaoping. You better look for the new ruler and make a straight way to him. Because all the others are going to be set down. In fact, America is boasting now. You notice how chesty she's become. <laughs> uh, in just a matter of days, uh, we'll, we'll knock off Saddam and uh, we're going to set up a new world order. Not you, Mr. Bush. You're not the one to set up a new world order, Mr. Bush. You are so ingrained in the old order, Mr. Bush, that if you don't make a change quick, you're going out with the old world order, but you don't see it. You're just like Pharaoh, proud and arrogant. And your arrogance has blinded you to your own destruction. You have been sucked into something now that's bigger than yourself. So be careful, Mr. Bush. It looks easy, doesn't it, Mr. Bush? Keep going. Keep going. You say, well, who do you think you are, Mr. Farrakhan, talking like that to the President of the United States? Oh, I'm just um, one that has met with one who is bigger than the President of the United States. And if he's not careful,
we'll be here. But he won't. Are you threatening? No, no, no. I'm saying no more than Moses said to Pharaoh, he and Aaron. There's another power on scene today, Mr. Bush. And that's why I'm here today to acquaint you with that new power so you don't have to quake when Mr. Bush calls. You can tell him I'm not answering my phone today. When he sends for you to send your sons and your daughters into the Gulf, you tell him not now. This is not my war. He taught us thou shalt not kill when we were thinking about killing him. If thou shalt not kill is all right in Mississippi when we can't kill the lynchers, the burners, the rapers, and the robbers of our mothers and our fathers. Then thou shalt not kill is mighty fine in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and Iraq because the uh, Saddam Hussein never called me nigger. <laughs> Saddam Hussein hasn't done anything to me or you. And he hasn't harmed one American. All he did was try to take back what was originally his. And this, President Bush knows. He's wrong and he's false when he said his cause is just and morally right. His cause is not just and it is not morally right. This is only phase one of a battle, of a war that has started, which is the war of Armageddon. And this war that you see going on in the East, it will engulf the whole earth. You will see it won't be long. How he loves to bomb the cities of other nations. But no city in America has suffered such attacks. Well, you're in for a little something. I hope to tell you all about it before the day is over as I try to acquaint you with the new ruler that we all should line up behind. A new world is coming. A better world is coming. You've been praying for it, Christian brothers and sisters. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. It is on the way now. And Bush is not the head of it. The Messiah, the Mahdi, God is the head of that new government. This book, Quran and Bible, now I want us to settle because I'm going to go as fast as I can, but this is kind of deep. And these two wonderful books, Bible and Quran. These are magnificent books. This is the base of the Christian and Jewish world. This is the base of the world of Islam. 
These books are called scripture. Moses brought a scripture. Jesus brought a scripture. The Quran is a scripture. Although it is called a book, the word scripture means it is a part of a great writing that is bigger than this. This is just a part of it. Revealed by chosen servants of God who did not write it. They revealed it. And there is a difference. Muhammad had nothing to do with writing this. And Moses had nothing to do with writing the Torah. Nor did Jesus have anything to do with writing the gospel. These are men to whom God revealed. His word, but the word that he revealed to these great men of God were part of a big book written by whom? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad has pointed out to us in the book of Revelations. I think it's Revelation 5. There was a man sitting on a throne, not a spook, but a man sitting on a throne and there were 24 elders seated around that throne. And the 24 were lamenting, they were weeping because the one who sat on the throne had a book in his hand, but nobody in the heavens or in the earth was worthy to come and take the book out of his hand. And they were searching who could come and take the book. And then a lamb came up that looked like it had been slain from the foundation of the world. And the lamb walked up and took the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne and he opened the book that was sealed and he began to break the seals thereof. And as he began to loose the seals or break the seals of the book, the 24 began to praise God. And then the 24 took off their crowns and cast them down at the foot of the lamb and said, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb for, to receive honor, riches, power, glory forever and ever. Who is the lamb? What kind of book was that that he took from him that sat on the throne that even the 24 that attended the throne couldn't receive? Who are these 24 elders found in the book of Revelation? Surely we need a revelation on revelations. How does this 24 elders square with the Bible's us and the Quran's we? Who is the us in the Bible and the we in the Quran? 
Since God is one and has no associates, no rivals, no partners, who is we? Everybody all right? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that there are 24 wise men who do the work of making, producing Bible and Quran. These 24 wise men have the ability, listen carefully, to tune in on the population. Listen to the people think. They are mathematical, not geniuses. They are gods of mathematics. These men listen to the people's thinking, knowing that their thinking will produce this kind of circumstance and event. And these circumstances and events will produce people who will produce other circumstances and events. And then they write it all in a book. How long is the book to last? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that the circumference of the earth is 24,896 miles, approximately 25,000 miles. So he said, we make history or Bible or Quran to equal our home circumference a year for every mile. So the book that is written contains 25,000 years of history written in advance. And whenever a time would come that certain part of the writing is to be fulfilled, one of these major scientists, of the 24, there are 12 major and 12 minor. Back at that number 12 again. And the 12 major scientists, one of them will speak to a person among the people. They'll hear him talking in the ear. And he will reveal to him scripture, a part of the writing and give him an assignment or a mission. That mission is from one of the 12 major. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that he who rules that cycle of history is called the supreme being. Supreme being. Supreme meaning highest, being meaning that which is. Mm. Anything that exists, exists in three stages. Is liquid, solid, or gas? <laughs> we don't see God as liquid. We don't see him as gas. Some of the old writers called him the rock of ages. You can stand on him. You can depend on him. He's solid. If he's solid, then solids come. In either animate or inanimate. 
don't look at God as an inanimate object. We see him full of life and spirit and a life giver. So we have to say he's not inanimate. He's animate. And animate means he's either animal, plant, or human. We don't speak of God as a plant, although they describe him as the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. We don't speak of God. <laughs> we don't <laughs> We don't speak of God as a vegetable. <laughs> but we speak of him in the terms of the animal kingdom. And in the animal kingdom, we have the lowest form. And then we have the highest manifestation. And the highest manifestation in the animal kingdom is who? It is man or woman, male and female. Well, now, wait a minute. You male chauvinists. Talking about God is a he. What about she? Why can't God be sheep? Let me talk to you about that. <laughs> the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that before the making of what we call moon, we used to write history for 35,000 years, for the moon at that time was a part of the earth. Those who sent their contraptions up to the moon, they brought back samples of rock from the moon and they smelled what smelled like gunpowder. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that the earth and the moon was once one planet. But one of our scientists who wanted the entire planet to speak the same dialect, but he couldn't enforce his will. He drilled a shaft into the then called moon and filled it with high explosives and set it off. That proved to be a great test of wisdom for that part called moon was shot out 36 thousand miles and fell, I'm sorry, 12,000 miles and fell 36,000 miles from its original pocket. And as it was turning over, all the water on the moon fell to this part. So you got an earth that is three quarters water and one quarter land, and you got a moon with all of the uh, craters that held water but there's no water on the moon. But the moon is constantly trying to get back what it lost. So it pulls on the waters of the earth. And because of the moon, you have the woman and her cycle like the moon. We'll get into this in a second. I wanna talk about the woman. Y'all all right? Now, sisters and brothers, 
This may sound strange to you, but the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that it has been 66 trillion years since the knowledge of God was made known to the public. But before that, the public knew God. They knew the reality of God. But since that time, God hid his face from humanity and has remained a secret. And that secret is the most carefully guarded secret of all secrets. The knowledge of God. Why would God hide himself from human beings? Now I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. Look, brothers and sisters, long before there was a white man on the earth, we had problems with ourselves. I don't want you to think that the white man is the source of all of our problems. The source of all of our problems is a problem within self. And that problem within self is the negative side of the original life. And when it became manifest, when one of our own scientists became so frustrated that he couldn't force his will on the people and then decided to destroy the whole human family. Then God hid himself from man until the proper time. The scriptures say in the fullness of time, he came. The scripture said after the workings of Satan, God comes. What is in us, original people? There's a problem there. And God would not come and show himself and make himself manifest until everything in us was fully exposed to us. Then when we are fully exposed and all of our weaknesses made manifest, then the human being could be perfected. Then only when you can make a perfect human being can you bring a perfect world through that human being. So in the scriptures, Jesus says, Be ye perfect even as I am perfect. But there was no perfection until the coming of this person that the Bible calls Jesus. The Quran calls him Muhammad. This day have I perfected for you your religion, your nature, your being. And I have chosen for you Islam as a religion. Well, the Muslims will say to the Christians, if you don't accept Islam, we're through with you. God don't want you because the Quran says, 
See, you got to accept Islam. Muslims, listen. It means unless all of us accept, not religion in name, but unless all of us accept to bow down and submit our will to do the will of God, then we will never be accepted by God because you and I are no equal to God. And we don't know what God knows, so he demands of us obedience. He demands of us obedience. God, my time is running. Just, just bear with me a few more, please. Dear brothers and sisters, the Muslims and the Christians have been at odds with each other over Jesus and over the concept of God. We want to try and straighten all of this out with the help of God. Beloved brothers and sisters, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that God himself is not begotten. Uh-oh. The Christians say God had a son, right? That he got from a virgin. Is that right, Christians? Don't be angry with me. That's our teaching. But do we understand it? Virgins don't conceive. If they conceive, they're no longer a virgin. But the scripture said, and a virgin shall conceive. How did she conceive? The scripture says, the Holy Ghost came up on her. It uses the word upon. <laughs> upon. Y'all all right? Don't get excited. It's all there in the book. Who is this Holy Ghost? Do ghosts get women pregnant? Your daughter better not come home to you and tell you she was walking by the church and a ghost came out and that's why she's pregnant. <laughs> Excuse me. But we, excuse me, but we know for every effect there's a cause. If a woman comes up pregnant, somebody caused it. You don't say something caused it, you say somebody. Because in order to create life, there has to be the germ of life, the sperm of life. And the sperm of life is always carried in the male. Let's look at it now. God in the beginning allowed everything to create after its own kind. Well, if the ghost had a baby, the baby would have to be a ghost. But since 
Y'all all right? But since the baby was a child with flesh and blood and the mother carried it in the womb with fainting and pain for nine months, then we have to bear witness that there was a father here. It's written in your Bible, but very subtly. Let me see if we can pull it out. Paul speaks. I think it's in Romans. Paul said, Jesus was the seed of David according to the flesh. But he was declared to be the son of God according to the spirit of holiness. Stop right there. Stop right there. Joseph was of the lineage of David. Any father can produce flesh and blood. In fact, that's all we do produce. But only God can make a prophet. Only God can father the mind into that spirit of righteousness. No earthly father can give you that. No earthly father can pass on that. That comes from your growth into the mind and wisdom and will of God. So Jesus is called the son of God. Not that God was slipping around in Palestine 2,000 years ago getting little virgin girls pregnant. Reverend, that's the wrong way to understand the scripture. The Jews knew Jesus. And the Jews asked the question, is this the carpenter's son? God ain't no carpenter. He's a master builder. They said, is this the carpenter's son? Then they threw up in his face. We are not born of fornication. There were some extenuating circumstances around the birth of Jesus. Like there are some extenuating circumstances around most of our births. But even though. We are born from strange circumstances. The Bible said, can any good come out of Nazareth? And the world is asking, can anything good come up out of black people? And I say, oh, yes. The world is going to be shocked when the world finds out what's coming up out of this Nazareth. This Nazareth. I'm trying to keep these points tied together. I want to go back to God being not begotten. The Quran says he neither begets nor is he begotten. So when the Quran says this very clearly, Every Muslim will say, you see, that's why 
God could never be a human being because all human beings are begotten. Let's look at it. Now, I want you to follow this very carefully. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that before there was a sun, moon, and star, before there was life, he said God is self-created. <clears throat> he said God created himself out of the material of the darkness. Stop. Before there was anything, there was darkness. But it was a substantive darkness. Not the darkness that we see at night. That is not real darkness. That is called the absence of light because you're just in the shadow of the earth. You live in a universe of light where once we had no light, just total darkness, but matter was in the darkness. The scientists say matter is neither created nor destroyed. But matter can be considered created. What do you mean? Even though matter was in the darkness, it is considered nothing because it was without aim and purpose. And anything that is but is without aim and purpose is considered nothing. Black people, you're here. You is, but you ain't. Pardon my bad language. I'm trying to be, and I must be a little more careful of my language. My teacher, Miss Marvel Collins, is here, and she would not like that. Miss <laughs> Marvel Collins, one of the greatest teachers in America today and in the world. I just have to stop and say that because. You know, the greatest gift that we could have is a teacher. And when you have someone who knows how to teach and shape and mold our children and make them better than we are able to make them, that's a person to be loved, honored, respected, and carried on our shoulders. Every teacher should be carried like that. Brothers and sisters, let me hurry and conclude this subject. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that electricity is the most mysterious force because no one knows its origin. Now, when you have electricity and material in the darkness, then you can get the first germ of life. For whatever happened with electricity and matter, the first atom of life sparked in the darkness. There is intelligence 
in the life germ. Our own beginning bears witness to the beginning of the universe. Therefore, the very secret of how the universe began is wrapped up in how you and I began. And because you're looking everywhere to find the answer except right where it is under your nose, you don't know the universe because you don't know yourself. And you don't know God because you don't know yourself. If you look at the sperm, everybody all right? There's intelligence in the sperm. The sperm knows exactly what it wants to do. It goes straight for the egg. That's intelligent. Sperm don't have brain. It's just a head and a tail. But that's a head there. When the sperm contacts the egg, it's the first cell of life. That cell starts looking for a firm resting place. Then it builds a clot. There's intelligence in the clot. Then the cells produce brain. That's the first thing formed in the baby or the new life is a head. Without a head, you don't need arms. Because the thing that's going to direct the arms and the foot has to be first. And it is the head that calls the arms and the feet into existence. This is why the white man works to destroy your leaders. Because without a head, you can't call a body into existence. And that's why you are always without organization because you never have leadership. Your leadership comes up and when they spot that is good leadership, they wipe it out. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that God had to develop brain in order to think through darkness. Please follow this. It took pain and eons of time for God to build himself up in the darkness. He was a light of himself and had light in himself. Since the basis of his life is electricity, then he had light in himself. And from his own brain, he envisioned sun and then called it into existence. Listen, I want you to listen. I know where our time is running. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that after Allah formed himself, not from a mother, but out of the dark womb of space, so space and the darkness of it became his womb. And he came out of that darkness. Then the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, before there was sun, there was a woman. He came out of the womb of darkness with a womb within himself. Every man has a woman in him. Listen good, brothers. 
sometimes the woman in man overcomes the man in man. Then we get something else. If you notice, the male has the X and Y chromosome, which has the male and the female part. The woman only has the what? The what? Now what does that mean? You're going back into that male stuff, huh? That chauvinism. No, 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 no. I want you to listen to this. Because as Allah came out of that womb, the Quran calls it triple darkness. With a womb in himself. He studied himself. And from himself he fashioned woman. She is his first act of creation. This is why you don't understand women and you can't deal with a woman because you think she is man's woman. She's the woman of God. This is why women are fascinated with men who are doing things, men who are going places. Because they're born from a God who did things. And they don't like to be saddled down with a man that's going nowhere, doing nothing without an aim and a purpose. All praises due to our live brothers and sisters. We hope that you were enjoying that lecture just as much as we were. But don't worry, we had to cut it short for sake of time today. But we'll be right back next week with part two of that powerful lecture, Who is God? Savior's Day, 1991. Before we let you go, brothers and sisters, first we want you to visit us online at store.finalcall.com. There you can find a host of our materials from books by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, books by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and so much more. Again, visit us online at store.finalcall.com. Also, if you have yet to secure your subscription to the greatest newspaper on earth, The Final Call News, we want you to head on over to finalcalldigital.com. There you can order your subscription and each week this beautiful newspaper will be sent to your cell phone or your tablet. Also, we want you to visit us online at finalcall.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a button that says Final Call Radio. You can click that button 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and get powerful excerpts of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. On Fridays at 1 p.m. Central, you can join us for our Juma prayer service and of course our Sunday mosque meeting each and every week. We also want you to get that delicious, wholesome bean pie, which is now available for delivery nationwide by going to thesupremebeanpie.com. Last but not least, join us right back here on Friday at 7.30 p.m. Central again for our Friday night study, Self-Improvement, the Basis for Community Development. And as always, each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time, we will have a lecture from one of the student ministers of the Nation of Islam here at our headquarters mosque, Mosque Maryam. With that being said, brothers and sisters, let us close out with a word of prayer. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the Beneficent, the Merciful, Master of the Day of Judgment in which we now live. 
Thee alone do we worship and thine aid do we seek. O Allah, guide us on the right path, the path of those upon whom thou hast bestowed thy favors, and not the path of those whom thy wrath is brought down, nor of those who go astray after they have heard thy teaching. Amin. Assalamu alaikum.